Mark chapter 12, we're going to begin this morning in verse 28. And I invite you to stand with me this morning in reverence to God's word. As we read from Mark's gospel. The Bible says, And one of the scribes came up and heard him disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all understanding and with all strength and, with, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And, G- and when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You're not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. You may be seated. As we have been journeying through Mark's gospel together, we have seen several instances where people have come to Jesus and they have questioned him. They have questioned his motives or they have tried to ask him some type of question that would trick him or put him in some type of corner or something that they could use against him at a later time. Something that that disproved what he was teaching and what he was saying. That has been the attempt of most of the questions thus far. But when we come to this question here in verse 28, we we come to a different sort of question. We read that this scribe has heard what has been going on and has heard the previous conversations that Jesus has had. And it intrigues him. It, It causes him to give some thought to his own life and some thought of what he's doing, and so it, it causes within him a question that is not made to trick Jesus, but rather, as he has been an outside observer looking in at, at what is happening, a question has come to his mind that weighs heavily upon his heart. And it's a question that he genuinely wants an answer to. If you think back, When the Sadducees came to ask Jesus about the resurrection, they did not believe in the resurrection. And so their question really had no purpose. It was kind of silly in their mind to even think about someone being raised from the dead because, frankly, they didn't believe it. But when this scribe comes to Jesus, he comes to him with a genuine heart, wanting to know exactly what is going on. And he, he, he finds in Jesus a depth of knowledge that he apparently has not seen before. And so he, he wants Jesus to, to give him an answer to this extremely important question. As we look at this text this morning, I want us to think about the importance of searching out the truths of God. I want us to think about how important it is For us, as believers in Christ, to seek out the depths of God's knowledge. 
Because that's exactly what this man is wanting to do. He wants to to know more about Jesus. He wants to know more about the truth of God. And so Jesus is going to show him the proper way of knowing and understanding God. We live in an age where people do not take the time to search out the depths of the knowledge of God. I mean, we, we live in a culture, a Christian culture, that is very satisfied with the surface things of God. We see that in who is popular when it comes to preaching and Christian writing, again in quotation mark. Look who the best sellers are. Look who the... Preachers are that get the most time on television. Look at the Bible studies that are typically the most popular. They do not dig deeply into the depths of the knowledge of God. But like most Christians, they are very comfortable with just knowing the things that are on the surface. But this scribe, as he comes to Jesus, he wants to know more. He wants to dig deeply into the core of who God is and what God wants for his people. And he does so in a very simple question. One of the scribes, verse 28, comes up and heard him disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, answered him, which commandment is the most important of all? We find in this first verse here that this man decides to search out the truths of God. We first need to understand that this is a good mindset to have when it comes to our relationship with God. He's not questioning God, but rather he has questions for God. He's not questioning something God has done. He just wants to know more. He has seen Jesus stand firm on his convictions. He has seen him stand up time and time again to those who would try to destroy him or dispute him with their questions, their concerns, their trickery. Jesus has stood firm. He has had an answer for their question. And so now he wants to ask a question of his own. When's the last time? That you took time to ask God questions. Not, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you allowing this to happen? When was the last time that you took a moment to ask God deep questions about his character? About the desires of his heart? How appropriate this morning that we would be talking about placing God's word in people's hands. Because this is where we find the answers to those questions. But so often Christians, they'll be reading along in their Bible. And they'll get to something that's hard. Well, let's just flip the page onto something else. Well, that one's sort of difficult too. Let's keep going. And then we'll get to a passage even like this one. 
Love the Lord your God with all of your being and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, okay, we got that one. That one's easy. And yet this is a man who's a scribe. He is one of the religious leaders. He knows deep things about God. And even he has to ask, what is the greatest commandment? When is the last time you came to a struggle when it came to knowing something about God, and you took the time to wrestle with it. You took the time to figure it out. See, our culture, every time we come to something difficult in our culture, we just kind of dismiss it, we move on to something else. We don't take the time to figure it out. Look at the political process in Washington. The issues that will be for 2016 are mostly the same issues that were for 2008, that were for 2000, that were for 1984. Why? Because it's hard. You know, governing a country of 300 million people is hard. You've got to do some work to figure out the answers. But that's not the way we live, right? We do 30-second sound bites on television and we never figure anything out. When is the last time you took the time that it took, whether it was hours or days or weeks or years, to wrestle with the hard parts of God's character until you were satisfied with the answer that you got? I want to promise you that our Christian forefathers did that. They spent time doing that. We must wrestle with those questions. We must search out the truths of the Lord. And that's what this scribe does when he comes to Jesus after seeing everything that has happened. He comes to him and he says, I've got a question. And he's not trying to trick Jesus. He's not trying to belittle Jesus. He's not trying to trap Jesus. He has recognized something about Christ and he wants an answer to his question. When's the last time you had a question for God and you prayed until it was answered? This is necessary for the Christian life. If not, we will never have any depth to our faith because understanding God is hard. Fully understanding God is something that has been reserved for eternity. However, we will never have any depth to our faith if we do not take time to wrestle with the things that are hard. I mentioned, and I don't know if it was to one of you or somewhere somewhere else, but mentioned the, the possibility of one day teaching a Bible study on theology. Now that sounds like a snoozer. Some of you just wrote that off. You said, I got a free pass not coming to that one. Do you realize that the word theology is about the study of God? And so the only way we grow in our faith is to do theology. It's to study about him. And I want to promise you that the way we 
have a richer relationship with him is to know him better. It goes back to the illustration of your marriage. You don't grow in your marriage until you know your spouse better. Sometimes that means finding out things you like. Sometimes it means finding out things you don't like. But either way, that's how we grow in our relationship. It's how we grow in our friendships. It's how we grow in the relationship with our parents. If you have the same relationship with your parents at 5 and at 15, you got a problem in your relationship with your parent. By the time you're 25, you probably won't have a relationship with your parent because it's got to grow. You've got to know each other better. It's the same in our relationship with God. Don't be afraid to know God better. Trust me, the Bible tells us that we will taste and see that the Lord is good. The more we know Him, the more we have a relationship with Him, the better we will understand Him, the more we will love Him. He can't love us more, but trust me, we can love Him more. We grow when we search out the truths of the Lord, and that's what this scribe is trying to do. He wants to know God better. And he comes to a pretty good place to find out his information. And what does Jesus tell him? He searches out the truths of the Lord in verse 28. And then in verse 29 through 31, we find out that there is a commandment above all others. When he searches out this truth from God, he finds out there is a commandment better than all others. If you think about it, there were probably some of these religious leaders that hated Jesus who were standing around, and when they heard this question, they thought, oh, this is a good one. We're going to be able to nail him on this one. Because how could you ever say that any commandment was greater than the other? Aren't they all equal? Aren't they all valid? Don't they all have worth and merit? Yes. And no. Because Jesus points out something where all the commandments of all time have been summed up in one place. Jesus answered to this question. He says, well, the most important is hero Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I'm sure the religious leaders' minds have been blown by this point. I mean, they thought this would be a great one. This is a great place to trap Jesus. A great place to call him out. It's going to be great information to use when we arrest him one day and put him on trial. Well, he said this commandment was the greatest, and he's obviously ignored this one. But he shows the essence of God. Because everything flows out of these commandments that he gives this scribe. If you or I were to keep these commandments fully... Everything else would fall in place. Do you realize that? If you could fully keep these commandments, everything else would fall in place. Matter of fact, I would say you don't even have to go that far. If you would keep the first one that he mentions, everything else falls in place. Because even the second flows right out of the first. You can't love God with everything you are and hate other people. It's just not the way it works. And so he summed up for this scribe, in these words, the entire relationship that we are to have with God. God desires an exclusive relationship with us. His desire is to be the total and only object of our faith. 
This scribe wants to gain in his knowledge of God, and God lays out for him the deepest knowledge he could ever know. You could spend the rest of your life in these verses and grow every day in your relationship with God. You could spend the rest of your life in studying these verses and putting these verses into practice, and you would grow in the depth of your relationship with God on a daily basis. Because he tells the scribe that all the commandments that God has ever given, the totality of the Old Testament in God calling people back to himself after the fall are summed up in these verses. Everything God has ever wanted has been for us to be completely focused on him. And out of that then to have good and healthy relationships with other people. Who would have thought that? I mean, you look at the Old Testament and you look at all of these laws. You read through Exodus and Numbers, Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and you see constant, nonstop God-giving laws. Eat this. Don't eat this. Do this on this day. Don't do this on this day. Work these days. Don't work on the Sabbath. He gets so specific that he goes down to the the goldware, the dishes for the tabernacle. What the candlestick should look like. And you read all of that, and it's like, why? Why does God care so much about this? How do I understand this? How do I process this? And Jesus has summed it up in these verses. See, I think that's why a lot of Christians never grow in the depth of their relationship with God is because they have no idea how to process what God has said. It's one of the, the dangers sometimes of doing a read through the Bible in the year. You start out great and you're going through Genesis and you knock out one and two and then three hurts because you see the fall. And then you begin to see God's work of redemption with us. And he saves Noah and then he calls Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we get to, to Joseph and the end of that story at the end of Genesis. God has, has redeemed Joseph and he's in this, this great position in Egypt. And yet they fall into slavery and we get into Exodus and there's these exciting stories and God sends the plagues and he parts the Red Sea and then all of a sudden we get through the Red Sea and we get into the wilderness and we get into these laws and we go, what? What? And you're reading the book of Numbers and it's got a lot of numbers in it. And it's just nonstop numbers and this many people and that many people. And you get into the laws and you, you can eat this and not that and go here and not there and wear this and not that. And you're like, I just don't understand the relevance for any of this. And yet it's all extremely relevant because it, all of it points us toward God's holiness and how In all of this, what he wants is his people to have a relationship with him. He wants them to eat good food. He wants them to worship in a proper manner. He wants them to conduct themselves in a proper manner. He wants them to rest on the seventh day as he had rested. He wants them to keep it holy as he had kept it holy. He desires holiness for his people. 
And yet we get there and we get stuck and we get depressed because we got to read all of these numbers on and on and we don't see the importance or the context of it. And what we need to understand is we should come back to this answer that he has given to this scribe where he says, what I want is your complete and total worship. And I'm showing you that from Genesis 3 when humanity falls into sin. I'm showing you time and time and time again what I want is to be the focus of your worship. He wants to be the focus of worship when the world is evil and Noah is the only man found favorable in God's eyes and he wipes out all of humanity. He wants to be the focus of our worship when they're building the Tower of Babel to escalate themselves to the point of being God. He says, no, I want to be the object of your worship. He tells us that when he calls Abraham and he says, I'm going to make you a special people. He wants himself, God wants himself to be the focus of Abraham's worship and all of his descendants. And the entire Old Testament is telling us about the failure of people to worship God, the failure of people to love God with everything. The failure of people to disobey when he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Not many. Not other gods to worship. He's one and worship Him fully. It's relevant for us. This is the command above all commands. If you want to understand God, you begin here. Old Testament, New Testament, if you're a Christian, you begin here. Guess what? This is from the Old Testament. He's just quoted it over and brought it here. It's in both. They're all relevant. It's all important. And when we want to understand God and grow in our depth of knowledge to Him, we begin by saying we are going to worship Him fully with all that we are. And out of that, we are going to have healthy relationships with other people. It annoys me to no end when Christians want to say they have this great relationship with God, but they hate everybody around them. Are you going to get along with everybody? No. Are you even going to like everybody? No. There's a lot of people I don't like. I've got a list. If you want to see if your name's on it, it's not. But only when you ask. You'll get that in a minute. But the Bible says that we're to love our neighbors ourselves. I saw something this morning. I don't know if one of you posted it on social media or where I saw it from. It's not really that important. But they said one of the tests of being a servant is to find out, or one of the tests if you really are wanting to be a servant, love other people, put other people above yourself, is how you react when they treat you like that. How do you react when people treat you low, when people treat you poorly? He says, love God with everything that you are and then love others as your neighbor. Treat others as your neighbor. Treat others as you want to be treated, as you desire to be treated. We can't. We can't come to church on Sunday morning and say, you know what, I love God. Man, I love him. He's great. But I hate everybody else in the whole world. I mean, I've known people, previous places that I've served, who would, who would walk up here 
They would put on their choir robe and they would sing here and sing all morning about the praises of God. And they would walk down and they would go to their seat hating everybody around them. We just can't do it. Because what that means is we've not been affected by the first part of the commandment. We can't love people without loving God, but we certainly aren't loving God when we hate other people. We have to start in that relationship we have with God. But the relationship that I have with God, the relationship you have with God, says we have to love people even that we don't like. I would say even more so the people we don't like. Think about the people you don't like. Would you serve them? Would you serve the person you don't like? If not, that's not a problem between you and them. It's not a problem about what they've done. It's a problem in your relationship with Christ. Now that's hard to hear. Because we want to think that this relationship's good. The relationship we have with God, we want to say, hey, that's good. It's, it's, it's good. I'm in a good place in my relationship with God. Well, the sign of that is the relationship with the people you don't like. Some people in this world are easy to love. I mean, they're just great. They're, they're, you love to have them around. You love to serve them. You love to help them in any way you can. They're, they're just fantastic. Those people are irrelevant to this discussion. Think about the people you do not like. Would you still be willing to serve them? Would you be willing to humble yourself below them? To elevate, exalt them while you humble yourself. It's not my words. If this was the gospel according to Pastor Michael, all the people we don't like, we wouldn't have to like. We wouldn't have to serve, and we could punch them in the mouth. If you want to follow my religion, which leads you straight to hell, go for it. But I'm trying not to follow my own religion. But Jesus says, you got to love God with everything that you are. And you got to love the people around you, even the ones you don't like. This is a radical commandment for the scribe. Everyone around Jesus, all the religious leaders, are no doubt disappointed. But his mind has been rocked. His mind is amazed at this. Because what a great answer. You know, was, was he going to say, well, honor, honor your father and mother is the first one? Or, or which one was he going to say? What was the commandment he was going to say was number one? And this is what he comes up with. And it's amazing. This commandment is above all. And what does that lead to? It leads to the realization for the scribe that God has chosen relationships over rituals. God has chosen relationships. Now, remember, the Jewish faith was a faith of 
rituals. Do this, don't do that. Work on this day, don't work on that day. Present this type of sacrifice in the temple on this particular day. Everything was stylized, everything was very ritualistic. And that is the, that is the mindset that the scribe has come out of. Every ritual was important. The way that you dressed was important. The way that you offered the sacrifice was important. The day that you offered the sacrifice on was important. And Jesus says, there's something more important. Again, he doesn't say those things aren't important. God had commanded them to do these things. But he says, there is something greater. You asked, Mr. Scribe, for the greatest commandment. And I want to tell you, the greatest commandment is that God values relationships over rituals. Look what he says. And the scribe said to him, verse 32, you're right, teacher. Yeah, I mean, it's Jesus. You have truly said that he is one. There's no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. What a huge revelation for this man. I've been going through all the rituals to get to God. I know these rituals. He was a scribe. He would have been involved in translating the Torah He had read it over and over and over and over again. And Jesus lays this out and says, hey, the burnt offering, sure, but but God values this relationship. God values your acknowledgement of Him as the only God who owns and wants to consume your entire being. And He desires that you love others. Do you realize that our God values our relationship with Him and our relationship with other people more than rituals? Far too many churches are fully, fully consumed with the rituals. Not long ago when the fellow came from Duke Energy, as we were looking at doing the, the lighting project that we're working on in the, the education building. Phase one of which is complete, by the way. I brought him over here and I said, listen, we would, we would really love it if you could fix some of the lights in here. I said, you know, we, we were looking at these LEDs. I said, man, they would just, they would look good, you know, on our sides over here. And, and uh, maybe, you know, put some of those nice LED bulbs in the chandelier because they last forever. And, and we shouldn't have to change them. And, and back up here, we've got some lighting. would love to have all those done. He says, you know, we don't do sanctuaries. I said, really? He said, yeah, you know, you just don't use them enough for, you know, for you to fit into our, our program with the energy company. I said, I said, well, you know, I understand. You've got to use a certain number of hours a week to get the discount. He said, and really, there's another reason we don't do sanctuaries. I said, oh, okay. He said, you know, it, it causes too many problems. I said, really? It, changing light bulbs in a sanctuary causes too many problems. He says, yeah, you know, these new LED lights, they're, they're fairly bright, and, uh, um, you know, they're... 
they, they last a long time, and they're, but they're, they're a little brighter. He says, you know, it, it can change the ambience in the sanctuary. He says, we've just had too many churches that have fought over the, the ambience change when we did lighting. So our company just doesn't do lighting. So now I've heard about fights over the carpet. I've heard about fights over the pew and the music. Um, and maybe if the pastor wears a suit or not, I've kind of heard that one some. But apparently ambience is the new fight that churches have. So keep that one in mind. Pin it up. Think about it. Next time you want to tell a joke about churches fighting, you can now use ambience. Well, why? Well, because we like the way it looks. Churches love their ritual more than their relationship. Some of the worst fights we have ever seen in a church have been about rituals. They're not about relationships. And what we see in this verse from Jesus is that the value he places, not that rituals are bad, not that traditions are bad. Jesus doesn't do away with those in this passage. We shouldn't read that and assume that's what has happened. That's not what happens. What he says is that overall, in the end, God is going to value relationships more. This is the same God who has demanded these sacrifices. The God who has demanded the offering of the full, um, the full burnt offering, the full sacrifice. God had demanded that. But he demanded that as a sign of the relationship. Don't forget that. When you show up at church and sing, when you show up at church and you listen to preaching or you give an offering, that is a sign of the relationship. Not a ritual. If the relationship with God is not already there, the ritual does you no good. Nobody will stand on judgment day who has no relationship with Christ and say, God, I had perfect attendance in Sunday school. Will you let me in? God, I I, I always gave 10%. My, my entire life, I gave 10% of everything that I made. The person not covered in the blood of Christ can say that, and God will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Now, you don't want to get to heaven one day and say, God, you and I had a great relationship. And God look and say, you know, you never went to church. You never gave. You were never obedient when I called you. Where's the relationship? The rituals, our traditions, our actions flow out of the relationship we have with Christ. And he values it above all of those things. It is the first thing that is necessary. God chooses relationships over rituals always. This man has an eye-opening experience. It's one that, that I would imagine redefines his life. To go from believing that God wants these rituals to understanding that God wants a relationship. Why is this important? Why is it important that this man started out with a question and God answers his question? Christ answers his question question. 
Look at the last verse. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. If we want to be citizens in the kingdom of God, understanding God is of vital importance. Understanding God is vital to citizenship in His kingdom. I don't think people, I include myself in this, I don't think we do a good enough job of trying to understand God or what He wants. If you read the Bible and you come away with the conclusion that God wants you to be happy, you didn't read the Bible. You might have read a couple verses, or you might have read some book you bought off the internet. But if you come away after reading the Bible, believing that what ultimately the Bible says is that God wants you to be happy, you missed something. Now, if that's disappointing to you, I'm sorry. But it's not what it says. The Bible tells us about a God who created us good. We fell into sin. And from that point on, God has been pursuing us. And his desire is that we would bring glory and honor to him. That's what he's always wanted from his creation. Is that we would bring him glory and honor and praise. And the only way we were going to do that is if he pursued us and he sent Christ in pursuing us. So that we could have a relationship with him. Not so we could be happy. I read about Paul writing multiple letters in prison. And the chief theme of those letters is not, I am happy. If you read the Bible and you think it says that it, the God wants you to be wealthy, it doesn't. I read about a bunch of disciples who die poor and penniless, murdered for their faith. I don't know where you get the happy part. I don't know where you get the wealthy part. It's just not there. What God desires is that you would be redeemed from your sin that is leading you on a path straight to hell. That you would be redeemed and joined in a relationship with him where you can spend an eternity giving him honor and glory and praise. Now, if that doesn't sound exciting, that's tough. I don't know what else to tell you. The order of creation is that we each have a choice. One leads to destruction and one leads to eternal life. There's not a choice between being happy and healthy and wealthy and whatever. There's a choice between following Christ and not. And if we put no effort in our lives into understanding God, we will not be ready for citizenship in his kingdom. Most people do not know God's character. And therefore, they're far from the kingdom. But this man comes to Christ... He asks his question, and he acknowledges that Christ is right. God is about relationships. See, for you and I, it's necessary to seek out the things of God. 
God's not looking for some formula, but He desires a relationship. He desires a relationship with us, and He desires a relationship where we treat others the way we want to be treated. When's the last time that you sought out a deeper knowledge of the things of God? When's the last time you're reading your Bible and you came to something you didn't understand and you committed yourself to finding the answer? You trusted that God had provided an answer in His Word and you sought it out. You didn't dismiss it. You didn't say, well, that's for my Sunday school teacher. That's for the preacher to know. That's for some seminary professor, you had a question for God and you spent the time seeking it out. This man did that. This scribe had a question for Jesus. And friends, the answer changed his life. Have you ever thought that you've missed something that God wanted you to do? That God wanted for you because you weren't willing to put in the time to find out the answer. Friends, we've been called to be citizens in God's kingdom. He's our king. He's our leader. He's our savior. He's our Lord. We want to know him. We'll spend time finding out about the lives of our favorite celebrity. We want to know the background of every politician running for president. We want to know where our favorite athlete played in college or, or what he did in high school. Do we have that same desire as we seek out knowledge about who God is? If not, we need to commit ourselves to knowing him better and knowing that when we do, it's going to bring us into a closer relationship with him. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, we are beyond grateful that we can come into your house, that we can spend time and worship, that we can praise you for all that you are, all that you're doing. Lord God, help us desire to know you better. Help us to know you more deeply. God, help our relationship with you to grow. God, I trust that our relationship with others will never be where they could be until we know you more deeply. God, help each person here dig into the depths of your knowledge, your love, your grace and mercy. God, help our relationship with you expand greatly. God, be with us. Be with us during this time. Be with us. God, be with, with us as we seek to know you more. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you're going to do. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning as we get ready to sing.
if you don't know Christ, you have no relationship with Him, you have no knowledge of Him, I want to tell you that the great news this morning is that He has offered you. He has offered you His forgiveness. He's offered you His love and grace. He's offered it to you with no cause. Nothing you can do to earn it. You can't make yourself better. You can't try to get back on the right track and then follow after God. He has called you to come to Him. To turn from the things of this world. To turn from your sin and follow Him. If you do not know Christ this morning, let me share with you how to know Him. Let me share with you about His love and grace. Would you come as we sing and let me share with you how you can have a relationship with Christ because that's what He desires. More than all the other things that you may have failed to do in your life, more than all the rituals that you've never kept, He desires a relationship with you first and foremost. And He's calling to you to come this morning as we sing.